Perhaps you're like me, though, when it comes to Mother's Day, it's, it's a little bit sad. I lost my mom uh, she, at a very young age. She was 56. And for me, when it comes to Mother's Day, I always wake up in the morning and look at pictures uh, of her and so grateful for uh, her leadership in my life. But also, what I do, too, um, and, and, and perhaps this is you, I've, I've had some second moms in my life. So what I do on Mother's Day, I call them. And if that's your story... Uh, I would encourage you, perhaps, to do that for the first time. And I remember doing that for the first time. And, and uh, her name is Shirley Ditlevson, and she was so surprised. She's like, you're calling me on Mother's Day. I'm like, yeah, you're like a second mom to me. So uh, maybe that's, that's you. We've been in a current series in the book of James. We're going to take a break this morning and uh, come back to it next week. And James is just a phenomenal uh, short book in the New Testament about really practical advice on the everyday issues. So please join us next week. So this morning we have some special guests, and um, we're so excited that they took the time to make the trek, the drive for a couple of you, and they're going to share their stories. And these are remarkable women. I'm going to invite Terry Norby from our leadership team, who's going to facilitate this time. Thank you. <clears throat> well, good morning. And welcome to Maple Grove Covenant Church. Like Pastor Craig said, my name is Terry Norby. And we have been um, here at this church. We've been members for about 17 years. And we love our church family. Let me tell you from where the idea of today's service came. I have the privilege of sitting on a committee that puts together a yearly women's conference called Set Apart. About a year and a half ago, while we were planning the last conference, the Lord gave me the idea to put together not only uh, nationally known speakers, but to put together a panel of real women who have traveled some difficult roads and have, um, and have them share their story about God and how he showed up in their journeys. In March, just a few months ago, we had our Set Apart uh, conference. It was wonderful, and these women shared. I, I interviewed them, and they shared. But while we were at that conference, the Lord just put it on my heart. He just prompted me to ask Pastor Craig if we could bring it to our church. I love our family church, and it felt like a, a beautiful, wonderful thing to be able to bring to our family. So graciously, Craig said yes, and so that's why we're here today. The theme of today is fear not. We all have a plan of how we'd like our lives to go. At least, we think we know how we would like it to go. We make a plan. We say, this is how I would like it, God. You can look at it. You can bless it. Don't change it, because this is how I want it to be. But what if our, our lives take a turn that we weren't expecting? What then? Do we see it as an interruption or as a divine opportunity? How we see it correlates with how we respond to it. God changed the personal plans of many people in Scripture. I think, for example, Jonah, a Bible study we just recently did, and how he had been ministering to the Israelites, but God wanted to move him to the Ninevites, and he wasn't really interested in that. I think about Naomi and how she lost her husband and two sons to death. I think of Moses, how he had to go back to Egypt and face his past, and then he was to lead the Israelites into the Promised Land, but he didn't actually get to cross into the Promised Land. I think of David and Job and all of the disciples. In fact, there's not many people in Scripture whose lives weren't changed by God's plans, and often God's plan is to bring more people into a deeper relationship with himself. Over and over in Scripture, it's God's desire for people to know the one true God. But often, the change or the interruption can cause fear. And what God has been prompting in my heart over this last 18 months is what does it look like to fear not, no matter what happens? 
What if we could really apply the truths that God gives us in Scripture to our real-life situations and walk forward with courage and bravery and confidence? How could God use us in a broken, in a hurting, in a lost world if we were equipped and trained to lean into him no matter what? I've had um, several funerals that I've attended for people who, in my opinion, died at too young of an age. One funeral in particular stands out. He was a youth pastor who I had ministered side-by-side side with for several years. He was young, he was married, and he had two little kids. Uh, Doug Asprey was his name. He was amazing, he was vibrant, and he was full of the Holy Spirit. He died in a plane crash when he was way too young. When I went to his funeral, I was a blubbering mess. But when I saw his wife standing there greeting people with, his two, with her two little kids hanging at her ankles, I saw with my eyes something that I had only known cognitively. It was as if I could see God's shalom peace. The verse in Thessalonians, we mourn, but not like those who have no hope, mm -hmm. it was sealed in my heart that day. I saw God's protection and peace over this young woman, over this young widow, and in my heart, God taught me a little bit more about fear not. That's what we are hoping for all of you today. I'm going to introduce you to my three beautiful, wonderful, and courageous friends. They have experienced interrupted lives, and I'd like you to hear their stories and then the truths that God is teaching them, not just then, but continues to teach them. So watch this video. I'm Callie Waite, and this is my story. My parents moved back to Minnesota when I was a year old. My dad uh, is an alum of the University of Northwestern, and he wanted to come back uh, and teach there. So he took a teaching job in the psychology department. I literally thought that I owned the school. Ran through the hallways, would talk to the professors. Um, yeah, he brought us whenever he could, and so we would just come with him and kind of do life with him on campus. He would take me out for breakfast uh, once a week and we would have a date together. Uh, we would go to the coffee cottage in Matamidae and I would get a turtle mocha and a cinnamon twist for breakfast and we would just sit and talk. We just had so much fun, so much fun together. Who Jesus was to him was so real and so evident. Uh, it permeated everything that he did. And I think that everyone that came in contact with him knew that about him. Like you knew that Wade was a Christian, that he loved the Lord. June 13th, 2003, I was at summer camp, Camp Shamana. I came home on that Friday afternoon and we spent the afternoon skiing and wakeboarding and just enjoying being out on the water. It was a beautiful day. It was sunshiny, blue skies. It was gorgeous. And it was just so much fun. And the next morning, I got up and my mom and I were going to a bridal shower. My dad was gone. He had gone for a run that morning. And I remember the police came to the house and there was a chaplain with the officer that came. And that should have been my first clue. But he came and he said, I'm sorry, but we found your husband this morning on the running trail and he has passed away. And I screamed the most horrific blood curling scream. I need my dad, I need my dad. I didn't have the strength to do anything. I remember God being very present during all that time knowing that he was there. 
As time has gone on, I've thought a lot about who God is, his goodness, his faithfulness, his love, his omnipotence. This June will be 15 years since he passed away, and there are moments where I cannot believe that it wasn't yesterday. And then there are moments where it feels like he's been gone for so long. So much life has happened in the last 15 years. I graduated from college, graduated from law school, I got married, I had a baby, and he missed so much. And so the process of grief has been ongoing that entire 15 years. And yet there has been so much hope in that. Um, the Lord has been so faithful to show his love and care for me and my family during that time. I think about this group of people that has surrounded us that were in our kitchen moments after hearing that he had died and haven't left. They are here to this day, pouring into my family and now pouring into my daughter. He has shown himself to me through the people that he placed in my life. I'm Emily Telke, and this is my story. Two and a half years after um, we were married, we had our first child, Addison. So life is great with a little baby. We grew stronger as a family. She was just our world. I felt the prompting again that it was time to have another baby. We were blessed to get pregnant. I grew really ill. Um, I ignored those symptoms. I thought, oh, I'm pregnant. I have an almost two-year-old at home. Being a nurse and the stubborn person I am, I didn't go in. I was finishing up a shift and I felt myself bleed. They did an ultrasound and they found fibroid tumors on my uterus. The doctor came in the room and he, he said he looked over all my blood work and he thinks it's leukemia and it's still, it's still really hard to say it. God had me in his hands my whole life. He proved to me over and over that he'll take care of me and he's faithful and loving. But I could see my fear coming out. So I just sat before the Lord. I really didn't have anything to say. I, I was just quiet before him and just feeling like I needed to trust him. But so concerned about this baby and what would happen. It was tough. The most difficult pregnancy. Grace was born a month early. Out comes this baby girl, perfect and healthy and God had it and he saw, he saw everything through. My type of leukemia, it's chronic melogenous leukemia. There is no cure. It's been six years since the diagnosis. There are treatments, it's targeted therapy to keep you alive as long as possible. Their goal is maybe five, six years on each treatment before the leukemia gets smart, forms a mutation, and now you have to go to the next drug. Nobody's guaranteed tomorrow, I realize that, but it's in front of me all the time. My time is limited. I'm fortunate to live differently. It's been an interesting walk knowing that God can heal. He 
can be glorified through healing and he can be glorified through our walk and our journey and our sufferings. And that's what I'm holding on to. That helps a lot to know that I'm in really good hands and there's a purpose for this. I'm Tammy Cooper and this is my story. I have a daughter, her name is Allison Beth Cooper. She's the firstborn in our family of four. She would have been 30 years old in December. She wanted to be a nurse like her mom. She had her father's personality. She had a laugh that would just light up the room. From the time she was three until the day that she died, she loved the Lord and she served him always. It was a Sunday, Sunday morning. We should have been in church, but we weren't. We were making choices to not go to church. And our kids were spread out all over the house. There was a state trooper car and a chaplain car in our driveway. We got a knock on the door. They both came in and sat down and said, is, is all of the family home right now? Can you go get them and make sure they're all here? Allison, your daughter was killed in a car accident this morning. She was taking the corner from Highway 10 into 35W South and didn't make the corner. And she hit the concrete median and she was killed instantly. And time stopped. It was unreal for, at first. There was disbelief. There was questioning. But at the same time, there was comfort. There was complete emotional grief and tears and insomnia and pain and headaches and it, it was physical, emotional, spiritual, all of those things were affected. During the first couple weeks after Allison died, I looked at my husband as we were not being able to sleep and just grieving and I looked at him and I said do you think that this is the two by four in the back of the head and God's been trying to get our attention and I truly believe that it was because we hadn't been spiritually strong for a while Allison's been gone for 11 years now and I know that God has used her life and her death to impact many many people knowing that I've already gone through the worst day of my life has freed me to love more recklessly and make relationships that I wouldn't normally make. I can say the right word. I can, I can tell somebody that I had peace through the grief. I had complete peace through the grief. Just to know that God is there the whole time you're grieving. He's there. He's with you. He gave his son up for us, and therefore we have him in our hearts right now. We have his Holy Spirit with us. Will you help me welcome my friends, Tammy and Emily and Callie. Scooch these in a little bit. You can move that over a little. We could stop with the video because that's pretty powerful and you guys are brave to be here in person. Um, just to start us off, let me just tell you who these people are. Tammy is my cousin. 
We've known each other all of our lives. Yes, we have. <laughs> and her family is here. It's so great for you guys to be here. Thank you for being here. Emily Telke is my sister in Christ, and we've been going to church together for several years. She's here. She's one of the Maple Grove family. And Callie is my everything. She's my friend. We've known each other forever. Her parents and Bruce and I have been family friends. I was friends with her dad. He was a professor of mine when we went to school, and um, we, were, we did Bible studies for years and years. I babysat Callie, and then baby, she babysat my kids, and now my daughters babysit her daughter. <laughs> um, our oldest son, David Wade, is named after her dad, Wade Wall. So, um, so we're just going to jump right into it, ladies. Thanks for being here. Tammy, we're going to start with you. I think of, um, I was 11 years ago, right? So mm -hmm. I was a young mom, and my kids were little, and I remember the news, and I thought, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And I think everybody can say, I, I can't imagine. So tell me what it was like for you those first few days and weeks after Allison's death. How did you get up? How did you get out of bed? How did you move forward? Oh, it was just, it's, I was still a mom. I still had mm -hmm. three children at home. I had to function as a mom. And so Pete and I kind of put our grief aside just to be the parents that we thought we should be. There were times that we failed. There was, it, it was, the very next Sunday after Allison died, mm. we were in the pew at church, mm. a brand new church that we had never been to before. And that church helped us grow and helped us recover and helped heal us. And Real Life Church is amazing. Mm. Yeah. Amen. They help put our pieces back together. It says in Jonah 2.8, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that comes, um, that could be theirs. And I think of all the ways we can numb. We can numb in lots of different ways, but, but you chose to get up. You saw that you still had a mission with your kids. Yeah. And it you said, I'm important. just going to put one step forward. Right. And I love that. Yeah. I one love that. One day, one hour at a time. Just, mm -hmm. yeah. Just I don't know to, how, yeah. but I'm going to do it. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Callie, same question. After those first few weeks after you stopped screaming, like you said in the video, um, how did you get out of bed? How did you go on? My mom. Um, I watched her and I watched her strength. I watched how she Strong. grieved. Um, and showed us her grief and was really raw and vulnerable with that. And I saw her strength. Mm. She had incredible strength um, to carry on to be a mom um, in the midst of her own pain and loss. Uh, I think about the people that came to our house. I said that in the video, but we had this incredible response of people, Terry included, who showed up in our kitchen and are still in our lives. They walked through those moments. They cornered me in the kitchen and made me eat lunch because <laughs> I didn't want to eat. They um, just kind of filled in the gaps then through the years that um, were left behind by my dad. They didn't, I mean, they were never able to replace him, but they were able to fill in those gaps. I remember in that week afterwards, Terry and her husband went and took my brother to get a suit. He needed a suit for the funeral, and so they took him to get a suit. I remember a, a dear family friend who's an attorney, he helped my mom figure out finances and life mm -hmm. insurance and what to do with all that. People brought their gifts and talents that they had and were by definition the body of Christ as they just came around us and filled in mm -hmm. those gaps for us. The body of Christ is huge, mm -hmm. and I think both of you speak to that. Absolutely. 
Um, Emily, I'm reading this book by Jill Briscoe, my new best friend, and it says, uh, it's called Prayer That Works, and she writes, a great battle is going on, and Satan would love for us to be neutral, sitting on the fence, just concerned about our own lives, but God wants soldiers who are not afraid to be uncomfortable, willing to do hard things, and willing to trust him, and he gives us the privilege to join him in his purposes. When I read that in my book, I thought of you, mm-hmm. and I want you to talk a little bit about um, the ways that you've learned, what you've learned about fear, and how you've learned to do battle with fear. Um, what I've learned is that fear can snowball out of control. <laughs> mm. um, if we let it, and when we underestimate God's power and his goodness, that's exactly what happens. It overcomes us. Um, I believe Satan uses that too to throw it mm-hmm. in our face and amplify it. That's, so it's everything we see. Um, When I was diagnosed, I was early enough in the pregnancy where they offered to terminate um, and get started on treatment. And, whoo, that was a tough one. Um, Mm -hmm. Just knowing that that was even an option, you know? In people's minds. In people's minds. It was life and death um, for the baby, for Grace, and and for me. Um, Do I choose God? Do Mm. I trust God? Do I choose to trust God? Do I trust the doctors? God is pretty good at what he does, so (laughs) I gave it to him, um, and I did this through prayer, through trust, through immersing myself in worship and thanksgiving. Um, Those who did the the Armor of God study, um, she talks about thanksgiving activating peace, and Mm. it did, Um, and it does, yeah, so that's, that kind of helps us combat fear is the prayer, the trust, just immersing ourselves in God and what he has. And our battle isn't a flesh and blood. Right. Mm-hmm. Amen. Um, so we pray regardless of what's being thrown at us. We just we get on our knees and give it to the Lord. It's really true. I think of the verse, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, there's a harvest of righteousness mm-hmm. for those who will be trained by it. That battle, that, tr- that, that decision, I'm going to pray. I'm going to take one step forward. I'm going to trust you. It's a, it's a discipline. It's growing those faith muscles. Mm-hmm. Callie, same question. Tell me a little bit about your wrestle with God. Oh, God and I battle on the regular. <laughs> I have to be honest. Um, I think I've always had an anxious personality. I'm, I'm a little bit of an anxious kid. Um, not much of a risk taker. But that uh, came to a whole new level after my dad died. And so much of my fear and anxiety was about the fear of losing someone uh, that I loved and feeling that pain again. And I so desperately don't ever want to feel that again. So for me, it was if my mom didn't answer her cell phone, she was clearly had died um, instantly. That's where my brain went. And the, the hard part about it is that was my reality. We didn't know for hours where my dad was. And I never even thought that he was dead. Never even crossed my mind. And now I realize that that can be the truth. That can be what happens. And so I wrestle with that, knowing who God is, knowing that he is good, knowing that he is faithful, knowing that he loves me, with the fact that that doesn't promise that I'm not going to experience that pain again. And that lives, there's such a tension in that for me all the time that I'm constantly battling. And for me, it's been having to come back to reminding myself of who he is and having, there's a song by 10th Avenue North, Mm -hmm. I have this hope in the depth of my soul that you are good and that you are near to me. And that is what it is. It's this hope in the depth of my soul 
by the power of the Holy Spirit, that he is good and that all of this comes together for his good in the end and that I am promised an eternal reunion with my dad someday. And um, those are the things that I am constantly repeating to myself yeah. to battle that fear that I have. I think of how old you were and I think of developmentally where we are at 18, 19 years old. We're just starting to ask the questions. This is what my parents believe. What do I believe? How, do, how does this work in my life? And to have such a a tragic pow right at that moment when you're wrestling with that. So what I love about you is that you say, God can handle the wrestle. God can handle the wrestle. He tells us to move forward. He doesn't want us to sit in the wrestle forever, and you haven't. But you're really honest about that wrestle. I think of Habakkuk. He, he wrestled. You know, mm -hmm. He's like, God, what, what, what? Um, Tammy, the same, same question. Tell me about um, how, what you've learned and grown in your application of God's word. Yeah. The for Pete and I, it was our, that that event was the dividing point. There was mm -hmm. life before Allison, and, and then mm -hmm. life after Allison. And the two by four in the back of the head—that was a real thing. And a lot has changed since then. My husband is now a pastor. <laughs> he was a, he was an IT guy before. Worked in computers before and. He came to me and said, I have to quit my job. I have to do what God is calling me to do. Okay. And, awesome. yeah, and I have ministered to women, mm. all different walks of women, and, um, you know, just through Real Life Church and the women's ministry and, and now up in Community Worship Center in Sandstone, we, yeah, there's just always an opportunity. And... I'm humbled that he can use a vessel mm -hmm. like me. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just uh, the story, just your yeah. story, just saying right. it's all you, God. That, mm -hmm. It is amazing. Susie Larson um, writes, May Jesus give you a new appreciation for how far you've come, mm -hmm. the insight you now possess, the strength you've gained, and the, maturi the maturity you've gleaned because of your battles. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we want to mm -hmm. be Absolutely. able to express because you do, you grow. Yeah. Um, Allison's death was definitely an interruption in the life that you thought you were going to have. Can you tell mm -hmm. us about any divine interventions that obviously Pete and his whole journey, obviously, I know yeah. it's awesome. It's pretty and amazing. And when she says real life church, that's the name of a church. At first I thought, <laughs> it's I'm real. like, it's just real. No, it's, but it's, it's the real name life of a church, church in Roseville. Yeah. And yeah, the, just, just knowing that he's there. He's there all the time. He's there whether you want him there or not. Mm -hmm. Um, later on in our grief, um, we were talking and remembering back in the early days of our walk together, a Bible study that we had, and um, the question came up, what would you give up in order for somebody to come to know the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ? And we both said we would give up one of our children if it meant that somebody would hear the gospel and believe. And how did you know? And how did we he know? prepared you. I mean, I just 15 years later. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. There was a, a one witness to Allison's car crash, and he's the one that called 911, and he came to Allison's funeral. Mm. And he heard the truth. And mm. I, uh, I don't know what he did with that truth, but right. it was presented but it was, to him. But it was there. Yeah, it was there. That's amazing. Yeah. 
Um, I remember, this is random and not on our notes, but at the funeral, I remember um, she was a barista, a barista. She was a, a barista, coffee, yeah. And they had an open mic at the funeral, and this guy came up, and he said, um, I know that when they train you to be a barista, they let you know that you're impacting people's lives in that short, you know, 90 seconds while you're ordering your coffee. But he said, I was one of her customers, and she did impact my life in those 90 seconds. And yeah. I thought, holy cow, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, I'm going to give you one each each of you one more question. It's the same question, and I just want to also say that um, sometimes God may give us a glimpse of what He's doing uh, in us and through us. But I really want to say, who can fathom the mind of Christ? His purposes might span beyond our understanding and through generations. And I think we have to say, are we willing to allow Him? to use our st stories for purposes unseen. I don't want us to feel like I have to be able to explain my, my, ex my experience. I have to be able to tell what God is doing. I think we have stories, and he's gracious to give us those, but what God may be doing may be totally unseen until we're in heaven. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, Emily, mm -hmm. so the question is, God comforts those so that we can be a comfort to others. And we know that you've been a comfort to many, uh, many of us in here just on a regular basis. But tell me a little bit about how God's used you in your, in your journey of sure. cancer. Um, I just know that God comforts. Um, I've literally felt held by God, um, physically comfort, comforted and brought to peace. Um, times when emotions were extreme, when my physical ailments mm. from the cancer were just too much getting me down, I'd cry out to God, and he would comfort me. Um, through re reading his word, I'd feel comforted. Coming to church, being around everyone who loves and supports me and my family, that, that's God comforting me and us. Um, so it's super encouraging, like, how God just comforts us and loves us so much. Um, on the flip side, um, I often struggle with chronic bone pain and fatigue and high fevers and nausea, what have you. I've been through colitis and GI bleeds and headaches and more, mm. um, you name it. And mm. as a nurse, I, my everyday practice, I come across this. This isn't rare. I, a lot of you are going mm. through this day-to-day -day too. Mm. Um, I've, through how I've been comforted, I've been able to reach out to others in a real way, offer empathy and compassion, be their advocate. Um, I often offer a prayer, and it's rarely turned down. Mm. Um, so that's pretty amazing, just how God uses us in our day-to-day -day, um, to yeah. support others. And it's mm. amazing, an amazing feeling how God does that. Mm. I agree. I agree. Callie, how has he used you um, to comfort others? Unfortunately, I'm part of a club now. Mm -hmm. And in my more crass moments, I'd call it the Dead Dads Club. Oh, sorry, my, we're the only ones who laugh at that. I know, it's my humor. It's not fine. My coping it's not mechanism. Fine. It's a coping mechanism. Um, but it's a club, and it's a club I yeah. wish I wasn't in, but it's a club that I'm in, and I know you ladies can say the same. Mm -hmm. um, but it is, oddly enough, the most beautiful club in the world where there are friends I have that have gone before me who lost their appearance before I did, and there are friends that have come after me that have lost a parent since mm -hmm. I have. And there is something so beautiful about looking somebody in the eyes and saying, I get it. Mm -hmm. I know it. There's just this, you just resonate with mm -hmm. them in that. And the Lord is so gracious to provide those moments when you need them. Just recently, a, a friend of mine whose dad 
had passed away just months before my dad died. She texted me out of the blue. She uh, has a one-year-old baby. I have a two-year-old baby. Mm. And she said, I am missing my dad in a whole new way right now. I am missing that he isn't getting to be a grandpa to my son, and I'm missing that. And I burst into tears, and I said, I know, me too. I'm missing that. That's that's something that I'm missing too. So there's something about your your souls connecting over the shared... Mm -hmm. Uh, story that you have right there's comfort in that there was comfort in me knowing that I wasn't alone Alone. in feeling those things Mm -hmm. yeah Um, and I hopeful it was comforting to her as well amen Tammy tell me a little bit about how you've been a comfort to others well I'm also a nurse like Emily I work in the emergency room so compassion and just caring and slowing down to listen to what the Mm -hmm. patients have to say it's so important Mm -hmm. and just knowing that that I can be there and that uh, being part of the club, I, I know parents that have lost children and it's, it's just, it's the look, mm-hmm. it's just the, it's the compassion that comes in and knowing that I can um, support my family with the job that I love so much mm-hmm. and allow my husband to do what he needs to do mm-hmm and serve the Lord. I am the, the steady Eddie, and, <laughs> and he is the personality, and, and he can bring the truth. And mm. it's just my way of humbling myself and allowing God to work that way also. Right. It's behind the scenes, Yeah, and I love that. I, I am, this is really uncomfortable for me. <laughs> <laughs> this is, you're doing it. You're doing it. God is in the business of drawing us more into himself. The sanctification is a process by which the Holy Spirit makes us more like Christ in all that we think, say, and do. When we taste and see that the Lord is good, which is what you guys are talking about, we learn to trust him a little more and more. Um, And we hope that you've seen the goodness of the Lord. We hope that you have tasted and seen that he is almighty, that he knows the beginning from the end, that he is trustworthy, and that he loves us for exactly who we are. Um, in the book of Job, there's a chapter 38, and it's a beautiful description. It's kind of a little sarcastic towards Job, but besides that, it's a beautiful description <laughs> of how powerful, how, God, how powerful God is, and I would encourage you to read that this week. I also want to say that there's nothing more special about these women than there, are about you, than there is about you. They are children of God, and so are you. They have a story, and so do you. Your story is no less important to God. God has given us all a life to steward, and the question we have to ask daily is, do others see God as they look at me? If the story just leads people to myself, then we're not telling the story correctly. Thank you for coming. I'm going to close us in prayer. Lord, we want to honor you, and we don't have to know the purposes in everything. We are so grateful that you give us the message that you are here, that you are powerful, that you are almighty, regardless of our circumstances or our feelings or our emotions confirm that. We want to be your children. We want to help a lost and hurting world. We want to be used when we go to the grocery store or to our neighbors or to our work or we preach to hundreds of people, Lord. We want to be used to bring glory to your name. So thank you for this opportunity this morning, Lord. Be glorified in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give him a hand.
Stories of remarkable women. So thanks so much again for uh, courageously sharing your lives with us. And it's our mission here at Maple Grove Covenant Church to go love, live. And one of the ways that we love uh, God as we receive his love is by the giving of our tithes and offerings. And at this time, we're going to receive this morning's offering. Thank you. 